BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 184. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's up, buddy? Uh, So I told you I had kind of a comically frustrating day today. Yes. Uh, And let me get into it real brief here. It's um, it's, the weather is weird. This is all weather dependent, um, or the story is anyways. It was really nice and warm this morning, like plus two Celsius. So I'm like, you know what? I'm a hardcore snow manager. So I'm getting out there and I'm shoveling snow into my south-facing driveway. The sun's out. There's not a cloud in the sky. I'm like, this is going to melt a ton of snow. Awesome. Let's get rid of some snow while I can. Throw it on the driveway, pop in the shower, thinking by the time I get out of the shower, a lot of it will have been melted and I'll throw some more out. This is great. I'm going to get two melts in, in like hours. Well, maybe not hours. In like half an hour. Pop out of the shower. Clouds everywhere. Every it's completely over like cloudy now, and I'm going, what the hell happened? And then the snow starts falling. And oh. it hasn't stopped. That was 10:30 this morning. It is 9-11. It's been snowing for at least 12 hours now. I'm sorry. So I had to shovel the snow. I threw, I'd previously shoveled into a spot back onto the driveway and then shoveled it back into where it was again. I'm sure if any of my neighbors were watching, they were laughing at me. That that's a tough go, Mitch. I wouldn't wor- wish that on my worst enemy. That's I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's a slap in the face to start your day. A, a self slap in the face for sure. <laughs> that's quite What's all right. What's going on with you, man? Uh, nothing that interesting. Regular old work day, just doing the thing. And uh, well, I'm excited to get into some New York Islanders hockey, Mitch. But we have something to talk about before we do that. Eyes on Isles, or support for Eyes on Isles, is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. 2 million! We have an exclusive offer for all of you beautiful people out there. Fansided 20. Gets you 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com. You can pick yourself up something nice. Uh, Mitch is very keen on the lawnmower 3.0. I have the cologne that they sent me right here next to me. Tremendous. Ooh. It smells great. It's not like a you know sixth grade Axe body spray in the locker room <laughs> kind of smell. It's a nice smelling cologne. So if you, if you want that, if you want to go with one of the tools, it's uh, good stuff over there. Yeah, so I have the, the, the 3.0. I had the whole perfect package, right? Perfect package 3.0 that I got. Yeah, yeah. That came with the boxers, and, and I'm wearing them now. They are super comfortable. Mm-hmm. They're great. Love them. Uh, obviously, the trimmer is, is, is great um, for anyone who's, you know, like shaking, trying to make sure they don't cut themselves, and then obviously they do cut themselves. Happens. This does not. And an LED light. Oh, my God. When I had the LED, I saw the LED light come on. 
game changer moment. That was just mind blown. Once love it. You can't go back once you make that switch. So head on over to manscaped.com, use the promo code fansided20 and save yourself 20% off and free shipping. So let's get into episode 184, Mitch. We are going to start with an unfortunate injury. Michael Del Cole on the shelf on IR now uh, with an undisclosed injury. And it couldn't have come at a worse time for him because, well, he was coming into a nice little role there on the third line. Yeah, he's been playing well. Uh, the points aren't necessarily there right outside of that that one two-point game that he's got. Uh, I think that was like two or three days ago or two or three games, games. ago, yeah. I should say. Um, it's not even in his last five games. Oof. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but he's maybe not putting up the points, but he's playing well, right? Like, same thing with Oliver Walsh. And we can't be like, Wally's playing so well. And, like, only has one point in his last, like, five, I think. And, and not the same thing for Michael Dacol, which is true. Dacol has been playing well. And then he blocks a shot against Buffalo, and he's out. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, that was the, the thing to do it. And like you said, the point production isn't necessarily there, just the two points. But I'll say this about Dacol. Uh, he's much more noticeable when he's on the ice. So the running joke was always that he'll, he'll you know, exist for 10 minutes a night and not give you too much one way or the other. But to his credit, I feel like we got to be fair, Mitch. We have to, you know, show both sides here, and we've been critical of him. But when he deserves it, we're going to give him the praise. Uh, same with any player. And he was playing well. Um, you know, obviously would have liked to probably get in the lineup a little bit more than what he was at. Um, before the injury. And the thing that worries me slightly is if he'll be able to come back and hit that same pace or if this is going to be a setback and put him back towards the mean. Right, because this is all about building momentum, right? And it's not to say that he can't recreate this because it's not like he was doing anything magical out there. It just seemed that he found his role and he was executing his role to, to the degree that Barry Trotz would expect him to do. It's not to say that he's putting up a bunch of points because clearly he's not but he's playing the role well and that matters in a Barry Trot system like you have to play the role you're given and if you play it well things start working well for you and the rest of the team that's what, ha- what was happening with Michael Del Cole right now that he's got this injury setback how long he's out how long is it going to take him to get back to where he was just, even just physically right like he's going to still have to rehab from this injury whatever it is um at least to a certain degree and then to build himself back into the role that he was in, assuming someone else hasn't usurped him for that. Like, Thomas Hickey isn't playing professional hockey right now uh, for a few reasons, but one of the being Devontae stepping in when he got injured, right? Yep. And so, like, if you have another guy step in and, and take your role from you, it's like, well, we can't give it to someone to get back to you. <laughs> this guy's playing too well. Sorry, you're sitting on the shelf. And and sometimes that happens. Like, someone could be playing well and then an injury happens. Like, you don't want to give up that chance, I think is the point that we were trying to make here. And Dal Cole has gotten his opportunity. You know, early in the year, they were riding with Ross Johnson. That experiment's ended. And uh, Dal Cole was, <laughs> Dal Cole's been playing well in that role. But he was even up on the second line a little bit. And, uh, again, the point production not necessarily there. But his game, you, you definitely saw a difference in his game and... We just don't know if when he's healthy, if he'll go right back into the lineup. It depends on what happens in these next few games. Right. As it stands today, I expect him back in the lineup. Correct. We'll see, right, because they're playing Boston and then they play twice against Pittsburgh on Saturday, Sunday. Um, that that can change things. But as it stands now, he's back in the lineup, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I would think so. Of course. And it's only been one or two games. So it's not like enough of a sample size to really go give you one way or the other. I think it's been two. We got one game at Leo Komarov and one game at Austin Zarnak. Uh His last, yeah, came on February 16th against Buffalo. There you go. So there was, a, there was the one against... Uh, which one am I thinking here? The Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh and then Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. So he's missed twice. Uh, and yeah, we haven't seen much from the other guys. So we'll see. Although... Zarnik, I, I think, could play the role, could play it well. Uh, it just, it didn't seem, to, it did not seem to mesh well with him and Wallstrom. Like, they don't seem to work well in the same line. Yeah, so let's transition and talk about uh, just what the lines could look like due to this injury, and then we'll get into that. So the last time out, the Islanders went with an all-righty third line in Zarnik, Pajot, and Wallstrom, which I was surprised with. Like, I thought there was a chance Zarnik could go into a lineup, but I thought, okay, the chance of them putting three righties in a row like that, I wasn't necessarily buying it, but they rolled with it, 
And uh, I don't think Zarnik was nearly as effective as he was in his debut early in the year. He was okay, but it seemed like he was stepping on Oliver Walsham's toes, right? Like there was a the yeah. couple of plays where he's like jamming into Walsham's lane. And there, there's the one particularly comes in and like literally takes the puck off his stick and fires it wide from the net. And you're going... I'd rather the guy who has the world-class shot take that shot, Austin. I understand you had speed and you're going into zone, but you had speed going out of the slot. Walsham is going into the slot. Maybe not with speed, but he's also got that shot. So he's in an area and the shot. You don't have the shot and you're out of the area. Why are you taking that play? It just, I, I did not like that at all. No, yeah, I didn't like, it seemed like they were, there, there was no chemistry there. And I mean, it was only their first game playing together, so I'm not gonna, you know, beat them over the head for it. I don't think that's necessarily fair. Uh, but there were definitely times where it looked like they were going to the same place at the same time, and it's like that this can't work. We can't have two people carrying the puck at the same time. No, and that's why you saw that third line not really be effective. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, Peugeot and Walsham scored, but that was on the power play, not the same thing. Exactly, not the same thing. And uh, I would say, yeah, that at five on five, they were probably weakest line. I would say so. And that, that's saying a lot because Peugeot was playing well. Right. And I don't think they necessarily had a bad line in that game. Just comparatively, it, it, it looked yes. like something was off, too. Like, I think that's what we're trying to get at here. Exactly. That's exactly what we're getting at. So how would you change or would you change the lineup Considering, let's assume Michael Dalcole is not back for the next one mm-hmm. or for another couple of games. How do you ride the lineup going forward? I like Zarnak, so I would like to keep him in the lineup, but I want to play with the lines a little bit. So I think I would move Bailey to the left side on line two, put Oliver Wallstrom up there, and then have a third line of Beauvillier, Pajot, and Zarnak. Ooh, okay. Well, that's not... Ex- I was doing the raise the roof here because I thought you were going to do exactly what I did but I went top line the same second line Bo Nelson Walsham third line Zarnik or sorry Bailey Peugeot Zarnik I don't think Bailey is deserved to stay on the top and the uh, top six in the top six okay so I'm putting Bo in in the on the third line you're putting Bailey on the third line instead okay the the moves are are basically the same right it's you're you're putting Walsham away from Zarnik uh, you're putting him in a top six role, hopefully like, okay, well, you've done well up to this point. You've earned that next step. Let's see if, what you do in a more offensive situation. Not total offense, because we're talking about the second line here, mm-hmm. but we're giving you a more offensive role with some better offensive players. Let's see how you do. Yeah, I definitely think he has earned that opportunity. And just hearing Barry Trotz talk about him, it seems like he is very confident in how he's been playing. Like the production hasn't been there, but I think I'm trying to think of the right, the word that he used, uh, the, the pressure or force that he puts, he was essentially saying every time he's on the ice, he's putting, you know, pressure on the defense, uh, with his play, which is true. And that's, yeah. And that's what you want to see. Like he's playing well off the puck. And that was our main concern, not even ours, but the Mm -hmm. Islanders main concern for Wallstrom's. How well would he play off the puck? Even his coach in Sweden was like, he's not that great off the puck. Or if he can learn anything, it's to be better away from the puck. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it seems that he's okay with that. He's fine. He may not the greatest defensive player, but I, I don't think any of us are hoping he turns out to be Bergeron. And, no. and if you are, give your head a shake. Right. I think <laughs> I also think Barry said something to the effect of he hasn't killed us defensively yet or something like that, <laughs> which is great. But I, I don't... I don't see him as a a problem defensively. It's not like, oh my God, like that, what is he doing in the defensive zone? He holds his own. Yeah, it's a very Michael Del Cole experience, right? Like if Michael Del Cole had an album and it would be called the Michael Del Cole experience, it would all be just like, beep, just absolute flat. No negatives, no positives. And, and for Walsham, there's no negative in the D zone. There's none. There's a lot of positive in the O zone. And that's why I think, and, and I'm sure you would say the same because you did, uh, he deserves that that jumps to to at least the second line if they're going to be playing with the top six to kind of flip things around. Correct. I'm fine keeping him there on the third line. Yeah. No, correct. And I think as much as I would love to say, I'll put him up with Matt Barzell, I just don't think that's going to happen. And also, I think the Lee-Barzell-Everly line's been good. So I don't know if I want to mess with that too much. That's it. I I prefer the fit of Wallstrom, Barzell, and Lee. I really do. you got a pass-first center instead of a shoot-first center like Nelson. So for a guy like Wallstrom, that's like putting 
if, if you're you're looking at the NBA, like Russell Westbrook and um, what's his name, the guy James Harden together, two guys, it, it didn't really work, right? Like two guys who just want the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, there's only one ball. How are we going to make this work? So like I, I could see how it works better with with Barzal. It's just like you say, that line has worked so well and it's dominant for the Islanders. Why are we going to break it? That there's no reason to break this right now with a guy who we're not sure he can do it yet. Right. Let's let's build this guy into it, right? Like instead of like throwing him to the wolves. And that was kind of my thought process of keeping Josh Bailey on that second line because uh, of his playmaking abilities. And I would say that uh, Beauvillier, is a, he's a good passer too, but I I see that more as Bailey's strength as Beauvillier is kind of more well-rounded, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would not disagree with that statement at all. Uh, it's just I think for me is – I haven't seen enough from Josh Bailey to warrant that position. Okay. And this is kind of a shot at by Bailey, who I'm a big fan of. Yep. Look at my Twitter profile. Um, but like, he needs to be bumped down to be like, Bailey, I need to see a little bit more from you, bud. You're going to go down to the third line. That's not much of a demotion. You're still playing with Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, uh, and you'll play with Austin Zarnick, who's not a terrible player. No. That's not awful. And like, he'll still be tinkering around and all over the place. I'm sure he'll hold his, pl- his place on the P- power play mm-hmm. as well as the PK as much as I don't think he should. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's kind of where we're at here with uh, the lines because I-, I don't think they could run back that third line of uh, Zarnik Pacho and Walser. Or I'd be surprised if they did. I'm sure they will. Honestly, I really think they will. Um, but I, I don't think they should clearly because I said so. Um, but like, yeah, cause I, I didn't, I didn't like how they played together. Like you said, it's like, there is no chemistry there. They didn't really understand how each one, like they just being specifically Zarnik and, and Walsham really were operating. Um, and there was a lot of stepping on toes that you just can't have. And, and I mean that specifically in the offensive zone. Yes. Then the D zone there, there seemed fine, but in the O zone, which is where, Walsham makes his bread and butter. Mm-hmm. He's getting his footsteps on, and he's abdicating, right? Because we're talking about twenty-year-old Zarnik compared to twenty-one-year-old Walsham. He's going to abdicate. He's going to, all right. Well, you're the vet, so like, okay. It's like you can't have that. Yeah, no, it, it's it's tough. Um, anything else on the Dow Cole injury or what they're going to do with the lineup before we move on? Do did you ever see yourself having this discussion? Of being like, oh, Michael Del Cole's out. How do we juggle the roster? No, I wrote that in the in the um, the pre-show article. I was kind of saying like we're at a point where it's it's tough that they're missing Michael Del Cole, which I don't. Th- no, I didn't think so. Honestly, I didn't because I always looked at him as a replacement level player. But to be completely honest with you, he was playing a nice role on that third line. So yeah, they are gonna miss him. Yeah, and that's great to see. Gus Dal Cole is going to hit that unblock buddy and fire off a tweet, and then block again. Of course, I, I um, hope so. I would love to. Yeah, eat, I would love to eat crow on Michael Dal Cole. Yeah, so far I I wouldn't, but um, he he's done well, and I'm glad. Glad. I'm, obviously, I don't think anyone's be like, damn it, Dal Cole. That would that would be rude. Um, but like, it's good to see him in performing, and hopefully, it starts clicking. Because at the start of the year. I wrote a piece saying, like, this could be his year, man. This could be Del Cole's year. Third year is how he, when he figures it out, let's go. Contrary to popular belief, I'm not rooting against the players on the Islanders. I would like them all to be good. I know that might sound crazy to some people, but, uh, yeah, that's the truth. There uh, you go. Let's get into Semyon Varlamov, Mitch, because he's been excellent for the New York Islanders, and you found some interesting uh, numbers to show that. So first, just some basic goalie numbers. He's, as of before games today, so today is Wednesday, so you're going to hear this probably Thursday. So before the Wednesday slate of games, Varley was ranked fifth for save percentage, fourth, sorry, I wrote save percentage twice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fifth for goals against average, fourth for save percentage, first tied in shutouts, uh, and is tied for fourth for wins at eight. And okay. that's for all goalies who started at least 10 games in the NHL. That's good. And that that's a lot. That's a number of goalies, right? But outside of that, it's so he's, he's great. His average right now, he's a nine twenty seven save percentage and a two Oh six goals against average. Wild. Those are Vezina numbers, including all the things I just listed out here. Correct. What you would, 
what I thought was happening with Varlamov is that he was playing above his weight, right? Like, he's playing so well right now, I would expect that some of these more hardcore uh, analytics would say, yeah, he's doing well, but he's doing better than we expect him to. But that's not the case. So, like, Jay Fresh tweets out the top 10 on February 23rd, so that's yesterday. Um, the top 10 in terms of goals saved above expected leaders, he's not anywhere there. The lowest one here is Connor Hellebuck at 4.3 goals, uh, saved above what they expect him to be saving. So that means Varley isn't out there like denying goals that should be definitely, that should be going in. He's playing essentially as expected. And that's incredible. Yeah, no, that I think that also shows you how good the Islanders defensive structure is too. That they're not giving oh, yeah. him a ton of like, it has to be the highlight real save where he is making the saves that he has to, but it's not like he's, going completely bananas out there making like Jonathan Quick acrobatic saves. Well, exactly. That that's just it, right? So, he's they're playing their strength and it's showing and he's able to perform up to that strength. Right? Like he's able to give them what they need, get them the save they need when they need it, uh knowing that okay, the, the defense that the system's going to collapse at some point. Something bad is going to happen. There's going to be a quality shot go off and he's got to be there to stop it and he's doing that. Yeah, totally. And I don't know about you, but I'm not super surprised with this because when you looked at what he did last year, when this team was healthy, he was excellent. He was a 920 save percentage goalie, and then they got injured and that number dipped. And then in the playoffs, when they were healthy again, he was tremendous. He was what, 927, something like that? I believe so. I, I had them here. Um, Sorry. It's, it's at the bottom of the article. Um, God, where did it go? Okay, uh, held the 921 save percentage. And 2.14 goals against average in 20 games during the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, 20 games, that's a big sample size. That's half a season for a goalie. Right, but that, that's a 20 game in the playoffs, right? So, like, it tells you how far the Islanders have been able to go with that type of goaltending. And obviously, we all know they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. But someone who's just tuning in or, or checking in on that, you're going, whoa, 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 there's a lot more here than just, like, he's just really good right now. It's not. He's been good for a while. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And that's something that's exciting. And I wrote kind of in the, again, the pre-show article, is this sustainable? And I think, yeah, unless there's like catastrophic injuries to this team or a COVID outbreak or something, and obviously we're knocking on wood there with that. It's, this is absolutely a pace that he can continue on. Yes, th- th- without a doubt. Because like you said, we've seen it before. The only thing that would change is if something drastic happens to the team, like Adam Pellick is out with an Achilles uh, tear or Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock are out, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that's going to stop this from happening, really. Yeah, and it's been really fun to watch. The unfortunate part, if you want to find an unfortunate part, is that Ilya Sorokin hasn't been able to play because of how good Varlamov's been. That's just right. He's got four games. He's probably going to factor this weekend when they play the Pittsburgh Penguins twice in two days, um, which just makes sense. So he'll get his fifth game. Woo! Um, But that's five games in at that point, probably 20, right? So we're at 18, 19, in 21 games uh, over the season, he'll have played five. Woof. Um, But he's getting reps in, right? So I was going to say, though, can you really blame Barry Trotz? No. No, no. Again, you're getting Vezina level goaltending out of Simeon Varlamov. You can't be like, "Well, we got to get the kid playing." Yeah, you do, but like Vezina, the kid. It's you have to find that balance, which is not an easy thing. But the tough part too, it's only a 56 game season. Like they, you got to win every one of these games. So it's not like, "Eh, you know, let's give the kid a shot on a random Tuesday night. No, all these games count. And they're all four-point games because it's all divisional stuff. Exactly. Like, maybe near the end, right, where you're like, okay, we've got a playoff position locked, although that, that might not happen till the very, very end. Right. But if you, you think you're going you're gonna to get a playoff position or you're playing, let's say you're 35 games in and the New Jersey Devils, who are at the bottom, I believe, of the standings for the division, they might be uh, close to it. Sorry, the Buffalo Sabres Buffalo. will say. Buffalo are, are done. Like, there, there's no way. Tyler Hall is already gone somewhere else. Jack Eichel is waiting for the Rangers to pick up the phone. Um, that's maybe when you play Sorokin, 
right? Like, I could see them doing that on a random Tuesday. Like, yeah, let's put Sorokin in against, like, the hapless Buffalo Sabres. Even if we lose this one, it's not going to be a four-point game because, like, whatever. Um, but even then, that's, oh, I don't see Barry Trotz doing it. No, you got to be, you got to know when to pick your spots. And that's, that's the thing right now. It's only going to be on the back-to-backs or, and obviously we're not rooting for this, but if Varley does start to, you know, stumble a little bit, then you maybe throw in Sorokin and see what happens. Yeah, you're going to have to at some point throw him in. So, like, you're right. They, they, they got to get him some reps to uh, just in case Varlamov stumbles. But like you said, I don't see it happening. I, I really don't see him stumbling that drastic. We're like, let's get the kid in here, send this guy out of here. It just, it, it, it's just, we have too big of a, of a runway now to be like, this is a fluke. Right, and ironically, I think really the only team that he's struggled against, he being um, Varlamov's, been Pittsburgh. It seems like he his three goal games are usually against Pittsburgh. Everyone else, he seems to hold under three. And then to be fair, like the team lays an egg in terms in front of Pittsburgh as well, right? Like most of the goals he's facing are defensive lapses, and you're like, can we really blame Varley for those? No, like you get an awful turnover from Brock Nelson, and it's like, what what is going on here? Right, exactly. And, like, no defensive cover from, from Kiefer Bellows. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can't necessarily always put them on, on Varlama. But o- overall, have to be thrilled with how he's playing, no? Oh, yeah, I, I can't. I want to find one person who's still like, God, we need Robin Leonard here. Okay, look, I get it. I know, and I know what Robin Leonard's doing right now, but, like, it looks like everything was fine. Everything is going according to plan when it comes to Simeon Varlamov. And don't don't come at me with like, well, what about last year? Put anyone in nets and that's happening last year. Anyone. I don't I don't even care. Put Carey Price in there. It's still going to happen. No, I agree. And I think you could still feel like they did Robin Leonard dirty, but then at the same point say Simeon Varlamov has been fine. I think both things could be true. Oh, bo- both things are in- entirely true. Yes, they did. They did Robin Leonard dirty. And what I... Would I like Robin Leonard here? Sure. But it doesn't mean like I would rather have Robin Leonard here than Simeon Varlamov. I'm not going to say that much. Okay. I think that's totally fair. Uh, So with that, shall we get into the down on the farm, Mitch? I know you finally got your white whale. I did it, man. I've been waiting for months to speak with Robin Sallow. I've been trying for months. Literally, December 12th was the first time I was able to get into contact uh, or get his contact information and finally be like, yes, here we go. Um, but like things just happen. He's really busy. He's playing a ton. Like he's played 41 games for Orobro. Wow. And then he's playing for the Finnish team as well. So like essentially whenever there's a break in the season, he's gone. He's gone to play. <laughs> he played in Russia for a weekend and then he played in Sweden a couple of weekends ago for, for Finland. That's that was got- his only time off and he's still playing. I was going to say, though, that's got to be a good sign about where he is in his development if he's still playing this much. Right. And, and like, he's not just some bit player for Finland either. He's playing in their top two, uh, at, at worst, top four. He's a top four defenseman for the Finnish national team right now. Okay. That's that's great. Of course, that's not including NHLers. No. But uh, that, that could very well change soon. Um, but, but barring, like, he's he's on the Finnish B team. Let's just say that. Okay. That's still good. Right. Like that's that's huge. And so I finally spoke to him. And the one thing that really stuck out to me is so obviously the news with him is that he signed that two year deal. And almost right away, he's like, yeah, I'm glad it's done. It really took a while. We were, we were at this for a long time during the season, which got me thinking, like, why does a two year ELC take so long to negotiate? Why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the right? logistics are. Yeah, because like. You can do performance bonuses, but I don't know if he if he has any, and I don't see how because Lou doesn't like signing those. He doesn't like no. giving out uh, performance bonuses. Um, I don't necessarily see any. There there are no performance bonuses as far as I can tell. So there's nothing to it, and and it's capped right. Like you, the most you can make AAV is nine twenty five. So where's the negotiation at? As far as I could tell. It's on the fact that when uh, it was, uh, it's on when it would start. Because also, like CBA uh, legislates, maybe not legislates, but puts a cap on, on the the number of years, right? Like because of his age, he can only get two years. Correct, so, instead of the three. Right. So, and he doesn't turn twenty three until October, 
and, and they, they can't wait that long. They had to sign him by, I think it was June 1st, or else he'd be, become UFA. Okay. So it's, obvi- it's obviously a good thing they got that done, because this is a second rounder we're talking about. That's right. And second rounder is putting up points, right? He's got 28 points in 41 games with Arbro, who are fifth or sixth as far as the standings are concerned in Sweden. Uh, and that that's playoff position. And they're, they're hoping for a championship as well. I, I don't think they'll, they'll get it, but like they're, they're a pretty darn good team. And he's a big player for them. He plays, again, top four minutes, sometimes top two minutes for them. Um, good stuff. Now, is the expectation that he'll come over for the AHL next year for 21-22? So I tried to get him to bite on that. And everyone I asked, they don't know or, or, or they're not saying. And, and he was... Very good in his answer, uh, his deflection, his deflectionary skills. He's very like you know deflecting the, these, these Lou questions trained him away. Well. Lou trained him well, uh, apparently. And then the one conversation, I guess. Um, so yeah, he said he didn't mention when he's going to make the start for the Islanders because he could technically play for them this year. I guess uh, I, I don't see it happening. That's just no. not something Lou Lamarola would do. Uh, no, just look at Noah Dobson. Um, so and then to come over for the AHL, I don't think is going to be a possibility just because of the season ends end of March for them. And then there's a the playoffs and then there's quarantine. And by the time he gets here, it is going to be end of April. And I think that's when the AHL, AHL season is done. And if anyone thinks Bridgeport's getting into playoffs, well, I don't know about that. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to be a playoff team. Um, OK, what do you see him as? Like long term, like if you had to project what what you think he is going to be, where where do you have him ranked? Uh, a top moving puck, uh, sorry, a top pair puck moving defenseman. Think of Devontae's. Okay, so you think he's going to be like a a top pair guy in the in the NHL? We're talking top four. Sorry, did I say top pair? Yeah. I meant top four. Top okay. four. So first or second um, pair? Okay. Yeah, I I don't see him as a top pair guy now. Um, but he's only 22, right? Like, so he's still pretty young. Right, which was kind of on the same track Taze was when he came up. He was 24 when he came up, right? That's correct. So, okay. Something to keep note of, but I was just curious where you projected him as and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know as much about him. I know, obviously, if he's good enough to go in the second round, there's a pretty good chance he can make the NHL, but I was just curious to see what we projected him as uh, for the future here. I, I would see him as a top four <clears throat> puck moving guy. Um, he's not the fastest skater, but he's a really smart and effective skater for sure. He's not slow by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, last question from from me on Robin Salo. NHL like e- NHL ETA. Where do you have it at? I don't know if he's here by the end of his contract. Ooh, okay. And I don't think that's any reflection on him. No. I think that's a reflection on the organization. I think he will sign a bridge deal and he'll probably be here during that bridge deal. Okay. Which, if I'm not mistaken, that also happened with Devontae's. Correct the mundo. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, it did. Yes. The first year of his, his, of his, oh my God, bridge deal. So, yeah. All right. Who else we got on this? I'm liking these questions you have for me. He, I, there's one more thing he said that I really, when I mentioned the Lou rules to him, because oh, okay. I, I, the last thing I said is like, look, you're coming into an organization with Lou. How do you feel about Lou's rules with like the clean cut hair, the clean shaven face, the low numbers? And he snickered. <gasps> he doesn't care. He doesn't care at all whatsoever. Like he could care less about that. Okay. That's um, a good he, thing. They, they have like military rules for, for Finland. And so he's already used to that. Maybe not the numbers thing, but he's used to it. Um, but yeah, he does it. He does it. He's like, I get to play the NHL. I don't care. <laughs> I don't yeah, care. I, I feel like if I was an athlete at that level and like, I, I don't know if you, you could tell me I'd ha- I wear number, no number on the back and I'll be like, okay, fine. I don't care. I'm playing in the league. What do I care? You know, yeah. you're going to pay me some $800,000 to play hockey done. I'll, 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 I'll shave more than my, whatever. Ta- I'll take anything off. So. Yep. Uh, okay, so I spoke to two other people this week. So maybe we just like focus on, on those. Um, after I spoke to Robin Salo, I spoke to um, uh, Raimo Helmanen, who okay. used to play for the Islanders. I spoke to him about his time with the Islanders. And I spoke to him about, because he's the coach for TPS. That's a league aside. Uh, sorry, that's a 
TPS is a side in Liga who Russell Iskakov plays for. That was a very clumsy way of spilling that one out. Uh, and so I spoke to him about him because Russell Iskakov is having this kind of uh, rejuvenation or, or I, I don't know what you want to call it, but like he's having a second wind uh, now in Finland and he's starting to put up points big time. That's good. We like point so, producing. He's a second round pick as well. He's taken two picks after Bodie Wild in 2018. And he's up to 22 points on the season. Over the last two months, he's he scored 16 of those. Good for him. So he's coming into his own right now. He's coming into his own. He's now playing on the second line. Uh, if anyone remembers about him, when I spoke to him about him earlier in the season, he got benched for a couple of games. And not just benched, but like scratched um, for a couple of games because his, his play just wasn't there. Uh, there was no consistency. The play away from the puck wasn't great. When I spoke to Rymo, he said... I completely trust him in the D zone now. He's a much, much better defensively. And so because of that, he bumped him up to the second line. And that's now where the points are starting to come in, right? He's He didn't score today, but the last two games before that, he had a back-to-back games with, with two points. So he's putting up four points in three games. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, I'll take that any day. And it's at the legal level, so it's not like the highest caliber of play, but it's it's up there. It, it's borderline AHL level. Okay, we'll we'll take that though. Any any kind of production and just him getting over from that benching a few months ago to now being a more relied on top six player that's big in itself. Exactly, it shows maturation for a kid who's again drafted in 2018. So like he's not old, but he's not young either. Um, it, it, he's he's moving in the right direction, and that's exactly what you want to see from him. That's great. Uh, the last thing I wanted to get to was, so Hellman played for the Islanders in, in 88-89. He okay. was actually drafted by the Rangers, and he went back to, anyways, that's the whole thing. And that there's one thing that, that, that kind of stuck out to me in our chat, is like, well, what do you really remember about that time? And he's like, Brian Trache, ridiculously strong. I like, he's... It. Even then, because he that was uh, Trotz's, uh, I call him Trotz, but like it, that was his 32-year-old season for Brian Trottier, mm-hmm. right? Had 45 points in 73 games, so like not at the same level, but he's like, no, no, man. He was super strong. <laughs> like even for his age, he was really strong, Still which is it. something that you you got. Like the guy isn't big either, right? He's like 5'11". Yeah, 5'11", 195, last, last it says on, on NH on a hockey reference here. I'm sure he's probably ballooned a little bit more than that. NHL players typically do that in retirement. Um, but they, he's apparently brick house, just just super solid and strong. Yeah, they, good on him, man. Good stuff. Um, and last one I spoke to, I actually spoke to this player. I spoke to Alex Jeffries um, hey. just yesterday. And wildly impressive kid. I, I, there's, I understand why the Islanders drafted this kid. Just I'm super impressed by everything this kid had to say. Okay. Uh, what was what really stood out to you from the conversation? The, so whenever I talk to these prospects, I always ask him what you're working on. And I always expect like a super stock answer. Like, I'm working on my speed, uh, my, my defensive play, and it ends there. But for him, it was a little bit more than that. He's like, I, I can work on those things too. But in the offensive zone, what I'm trying to work on is going at the net, stopping at the net rather than going around the net. Uh, right, like he he would go past it, and I don't get that type of um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like honest and and specific answers. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Like a very specific area of the game that he has to work on. Right, like so it gives you a sense of what he's trying to do and what he has in mind. And it's not just some like random talking point that he's giving me as well. And I thought that that was wildly impressive because it came off as matter of factly like, well, that's just something I'm working on. That's what you asked me. That's what I'm giving you. There's yeah. no talking points. And, and I really like to hear that from a kid who's already putting up 10 points in 11 games and is a Hobie Baker nominee. Yeah, that's great. He's not going to win it. <laughs> it's not no, going to happen. No, but still, that's that's a really prestigious award at the NCAA level. And to be have your name in the mix there is uh, an honor. Only two freshmen have ever won the award. Jack Eichel in 2015 and Paul Correa in, I forget the year, 93, I think it is, maybe 94. I've he never like heard of either of them. 110 points in like 30 games or some, something like that. Never heard of either of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right, though. 
he's in a short list of 50 players. I don't imagine he's going to make it into the second phase where they whittle it down to 10 guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's fine. Just getting the nod shows you everything you need to know about this kid. Not only is he putting up points, but he's getting recognized for his play on the ice. It's just super great kid. Uh, this actually might be an okay draft for the Islanders if everyone they've drafted start is trending and continues to trend in the way they're trending right now. Perfect. That's great. So that was the last one I had, the last update I had for y'all. Sweet. Love it. Look forward to Down on the Farm every single week. So, Mitch, shall we get into the quiz? Let's do it. As we do every week, I'm going to ask Matt five questions that get progressively easier to reveal a mystery New York Islander. Uh, we're episode 184, Matt. So this yes. has something to do. This player has something to do with that. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Ready. Clue number one. I was a 17th overall pick at the NHL draft. 17th overall pick at the NHL draft. Next. Of my 184 points, there's the link, with the Islanders, I scored 33 in my seventh and final full year with the team. Seventh and final full year. Okay, next. I played and coached the team. That's clue number three. Played and coached the team? Correct. All right, so it's I don't think it's Butch Goring. It is not Butch Goring. Okay. Uh, all right, next. Next is... Sorry, I just have to click something here. Um, I won four cups with the team but not all of them as a player. Oh, oh my God. The dynasty player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So you're going to tell me and this is going to drive me nuts. Okay. Next. So final clue. My last name is Henning and I share the same first name as the creator of SNL. Lauren Henning. Correct a window. Yeah, I, I, I knew it was that error. I couldn't think of who it was. The the, the most debatable, uh, what is it, class of seventeen or the? Uh, oh my God, why can? Oh, the four. But anyways, of who is in the group of seventeen from four cups? Yeah, yeah. Because the, the last a, one, he was a he was a assistant coach on the last. Correct. One, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a better name for it, and I don't. I don't know why I'm blanking on the name. Someone at home is screaming bloody murder, and I don't blame them for doing so. Core of four. There it is. Core of the four, not core of four. Core of the, of the four. four. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Oh God, I don't know why I couldn't spit that one out. That's quite okay. And I, I'm mad at myself. I I knew that hint, but I couldn't think of the name. It's fine. That's the fun of it, because everyone's like, Lord, Lord Headings at home. I know. It's Listen. good for them to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the social segment, see what's going around on Isles Twitter. What do you got for us this week, Mitch? Um, first one uh, comes from Sportsnet. I think you, we all know who they are. And it's an interview with uh, new Saskatchewan University head coach Mike Babcock. Oh, boy. And says, I knew when Lou left, I was getting fired. And I'm thinking Lou Lamorello is going to have to run hard from that quote because he does not want to get stuck with Mike Babcock right now. No, I don't think you want to get roped in with Mike Babcock. A hundred percent. Um, he's an interesting guy. Uh, controversial. I don't know. Do you pin that on Lou though? No. Well, to a certain extent, it's not on Lou. Um, but it's when the GM gets replaced, typically the coach gets fired. Like that's a thing in yeah. the NHL, right? Like they got to bring their own to bring their own guy in. But the new guy left him in there for what a year and a half after Lou left, maybe even longer than that. No, a year and a half. Yeah, it was a year and a half. And they were underperforming. So yeah, your time was probably short. You had a short leash, but you had already been there for three years, and you're the highest paid coach in the league by a margin, like a healthy margin. Yeah. If you didn't think your time was up when your your team was underperforming, this is just like uh, he's just getting salty now. Like I'm mad that I got caught for being a bully. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because you were being a bully, you jerk. What are yeah. we talking about here? Don't bring Lou into this. Yeah. No, I don't see how that's on Lou. I'm with you. 
No. So that was my first one. What about you? Uh, first one, this is from the Islanders account on Twitter. So they released a statement regarding uh, the return of fans to the home games. But what I wanted to talk about specifically, I thought, is something cool that they're doing. So fans are coming back on the 18th, but a week earlier on the 11th, they're hosting a thousand Northwell Health frontline workers, which I thought was a really classy move from the organization. Heck yeah, that's classy. Um, it's the only thing that they can do of substance, right? To thank them. Like they're a hockey team. They, they can give a bunch of money and I'm sure they already have. Right. Um, but like, this is a, a showy for like, this is our product. Here's access to our product for free ahead of everyone else as a, as a token of our gratitude. I don't know that that's pretty classy to me. Yeah, 100%. And like you said, there's really no, they can't do enough to thank these people. Like that's what I said that it's nice that they're honoring them and they deserve this recognition and so much more. Uh, but it, it's, I thought it was a nice move for sure. Oh yeah. I, I can't see anyone saying like, this is such a crappy move not read the room this is not the, the thing you want to be saying right now no uh my second one here comes from uh, uh the fly uh, jp and va who says if anyone was wondering if oliver wallstrom belongs on the aisles here's some evidence that he's feeling a desperate need when he starts converting at an average rate there will be no longer there will no longer be any questions so he's got a chart here it's an excel chart and it essentially boils down to shots per 60 Okay. And Oliver Walsham leads the team at 11.8 shots per 60. Next one is Anders Lee and then Jordan Eberle. So the fact that he's at the top probably doesn't surprise anyone based on the no, number no. of shots that he's getting, but it really puts it to frame. Like, we have a shooter. We have a guy with a shoot-first mentality and, according to Barry Trotz, a world-class shot. Yes, like JP says, once he starts converting those chances, because he's shooting at 4.2%, that's going to go up. It will. And once it does, look out. I don't expect him to be a career below 5% shooter. <laughs> no, he's going to probably trend closer to the, like, Jordan Eberle's at 13%, I think, over his career. Maybe 12.8. Yeah. Um, if he shoots at that. So he has 24 shots right now, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, where's my calculator? So 24 times .128, that's three goals on the season already. So he's too shy of that. Okay. We'll take that. We'll take that for sure. Absolutely. Uh, my next one comes from Isles Territory. It says, one year ago today, the Isles traded for J.G. Pajot. J.P. Pajot, J.G. Pajot was always <laughs> meant to be an Islander. Can't say enough about how well he fits with this team. Excited for the future with this guy. Uh, Mitch, a year ago today, a lot of people had uh, some takes on Twitter, and most of them were wrong a lot of bad takes like he's never going to live up to this production I, I wrote about that today on the site I didn't want to use anyone's tweets and kind of like gaslight them type of thing because it's not fair a year later to be like ha 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 but like yeah there's a lot of he's never going to do that again look at him now yeah um worth it and worth the extension I love the move from Lou that's a good he's one. having a better year now than he was having in Ottawa during the trade Yeah, I mean, he is. You can't argue it. And everyone was like, wow, he's playing top line minutes. That's why he's doing it. He's playing three minutes less per night right now and doing better. No, it's a teammate thing. It's a useless thing. This guy is, is class for sure. And it also helped that on the team's run to the Eastern Conference final, he was a goal machine too. So uh, <laughs> very much worth it early on. Right, like shooting 21.9% in the playoffs. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, I think that playoff performance alone is spoke volumes for how much it was worth it but this is just the cherry on top uh exactly. what else did you what else did you have mitch last one for me uh, at phil's facts the isles power play currently ranks 12th in the league at 23.1 percent. this is written on february 23rd so perhaps it's changed a little bit uh, but the sentiment is still remains the same they are one spot ahead of the colorado avalanche who are just behind them at 23 yeah 23 yes you read that correctly okay the Islanders power play it is indeed I, I, that that's the correct percentage. Uh, I'm just not sure about the standings anymore. I'm just going to bring it up right now because again, that was, that was done on the 23rd. So there's been some games since then. So if we do power play percentage, the Islanders 23.1% still ahead of the Colorado avalanche. Cause I guess they didn't play by 0.1%. The Colorado led by Devontae's avalanche. And are, I, I have a worse power play than the Islanders. 
I hear Nathan McKinnon is also good on the power play. Just a right? rumor. Rumor I've heard. Rantanen, all these other guys, still the Islanders have a better power play than they do. Uh, they have. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that this is great. We've been wanting this for years, and it's finally freaking happening. Love it. Can't trade your puck moving defenseman though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, so before we go, let's get some plugs in here, Mitch. So wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to give a rating, subscribe, review. Really appreciates. Uh, we really appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. So thank you for all of the support. You can follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY and Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could also visit the website, eyesonisles.com for your New York Islanders needs. And check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles. Five bucks a month gets you a post-game show for every single game. It gets you a mailbag show, which we're about to record right after this. It gets you a live stream with Mitch. It gets you a great community of Islanders fans. And you could also win prizes as uh, one of our, our boy Spiz over there is... Uh, dangling a nice fun prize for some pregame predictions right mitch he is it seems so like if you want to know more about it just go to the just go to the patreon i don't want to i don't want to put it out there exactly exactly that's a patreon only exclusive so (laughs) that'll do it for us on episode number 184 thank you so much for tuning in i am matt o'leary he is mitch anderson and we'll talk to you next time What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.